Hey, everybody, it's Dave here. Come join us on Climbing the Pocket Network's Roundtable. We start off with the initial tweet that started the whole OBJ trade to the Minnesota Vikings from the Browns. We get into how Christian McCaffrey's new contract will relate to Dalvin Cook. And do you think Cook will hold out if he doesn't get one? Those are questions we ask. Also, we get into the 2009 feelings on Brett Favre after we watched that wonderful game where the Vikings defeated the Green Bay Packers on Monday night. There's even a Don Glover story. Who can't love that? And we finish with Jared Allen's hair. Okay, come on, everybody. Join the roundtable, and let's get talking. Let's rock, let's roll, tick-tock, let's go, let's rock, let's roll. Ten seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh, oh my God, oh my God, 30, no Let's go! This is where your Climbing the Pocket Network's personalities and guests get together to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. So it's time to let's go! Let's go! It is Climbing the Pocket Network's Roundtable with the news of the day. Moose trademark, Mr. Marcus Malasis, blue check journalist, writes, So as I reported this morning on Mad MW Fan, source has told me that the Browns and Vikings are in discussions on a trade that would send OBJ to the Vikings for the second and fifth round pick next year. Trade is not done, but the deal is being discussed. We're here at Climbing the Pocket Network to talk about it. Jason? All right, let's go. I, I, I doesn't matter how many times we do this, David. I, I love the <laughs> intro every time. I feel special. I feel like you need to start rolling that out for, uh, for Ted and Drew. They're feeling left out. We get all that love, that energy. It's our second take, but we're going to do this thing. We're going to talk about made-up news because we're all at home and uh, we're on quarantine. So why the hell not? Miles, with the way the, the Vikings offseason has gone thus far, what are your thoughts now after you know the Vikings traded away, arguably their best and most important offensive piece? What are your thoughts on uh, these rumors that uh, they are now looking to add OBJ to the fold? <laughs> I mean, you talk about a, a way to, to kind of get my hopes up. This is one of those scenarios. I'm a huge Diggs fan. Diggs is, like you said, I think arguably the best player on offense this team has had um he wasn't happy here so they traded him away which um i understand why they made the move wasn't happy with it but i understand why um if you're gonna find a way to replace a stefan Diggs, the draft is a really hard thing to do especially in, in 2020 that's that's probably the hardest move to do is, is have a rookie fill his role um if you want to fill that role trading for a guy like uh, odell beckham jr's 
you're you're actually upgrading. I think there. I don't think there are many receivers better. I I would consider better than Stephon Diggs. Odell Beckham Jr. is one of those few guys I consider better than Stephon Diggs. So you'd actually be upgrading at the position. Um, I'm not sure how it changes the philosophy of the offense, especially after what we saw um, and heard from Kirk Cousins yesterday talking about running two, three tight end sets with the fullback. Um, but if they're going to utilize Odell Beckham Jr. in the way they should um, and pair him with Od- um, Adam Thielen, I think that's a, a great pairing. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. can step in right away and fill that Diggs role. Uh, he's a he's a guy that can create separation quickly. He's great after the catch. Uh, he's dynamic. He can score from any- anywhere on the field. So he's the kind of guy that um, you want to take help take attention away from Adam Thielen, help um, everything around that offense, help Kirk Cousins um, be successful on, on the offensive side of the ball in 2020. Uh, he's the perfect guy to do it to help replace Diggs. So that to me, I I hate getting my hopes up, but seeing someone with a with credible sources um, reporting something like that, it, it gets my gets my hopes up. But it's something that um, I'm gonna roll with, and if they make that move, I'll probably uh, take a step back from all the negative that I've been talking about over the last few weeks. Oh boy. All right. Ted, talk to me, man. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much in agreement with everything Miles said. I remember that the day or the night Diggs was traded, I think it was earlier that day or maybe the day before um, Bill O'Brien traded Deandre Hopkins to Arizona for the, the, the rotting corpse of David Johnson and a, and a lame draft. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself after the Diggs trade, you know, why, why, if, if the Vi- if Diggs was intent on getting traded, and, and, and it wasn't going to work in Minnesota, and they had to move him. Okay, fine. But why couldn't they get more value in terms of a player that's actually been proven in the NFL, like a DeAndre Hopkins? And and there are just a couple guys in the NFL that I think kind of equate to Diggs, and, and OBJ is definitely one of those dudes. It goes back to the philosophy of the offense. You know, we talked about what Kirk Cousins said yesterday is he likes to run a bunch of two tight end sets with a fullback. I mean – Okay, so then if you're going to do that, why why trade for a guy like OBJ? I mean, if you are going to focus on the run and and re-sign your quarterback to an insane amount of money for him to hand off the ball, why go get a guy like OBJ unless they're really not going to do that and they want to open up the offense? Um, so, yeah, I think it would be a good deal. Um, you, Miles, again, talked about the offensive philosophy and, and would OBJ be happy in his role with Minnesota kind of you know, we, he's had some some issues in the past. I don't think that's more on OBJ. I think it's on the performance of the team and the coaching philosophies he was on at the time with the Giants and Cleveland. Well, still with Cleveland. If if they can use him, because he, let's face it, he was not utilized well, has not been utilized well in Cleveland. If the Vikings can can use that asset, I think it'd be a great pickup. I honestly do. Awesome. All right. Last question on this topic as we run through this quick hitting edition of the roundtable. Yinka, do you think the Vikings locker room can absorb having both OBJ and Adam Thielen receivers who you've compared at times for their diva antics? I mean, is it is it the Vikings or is it the Vikings fans? Can they can they have <laughs> that level of in one place? I mean, it's kind of like what Ted said. This is obviously, and, and Miles as well too. This is this is an upgrade at the position. Um, I don't really care about the whole diva narrative because I believe that if you are the best in the world at anything you do, you ha- you are allowed to talk as much ish as you want to. Um, so 
my only ob- obviously issue is just what the offense is going to be, but I will welcome OBJ with open arms and all of his defense. I will personally bring the net that he will kick if he misses the play. <laughs> can, I, so, can, I bring, uh, can I bring up one thing too, Prince? Yeah. We know the Vikings didn't want to trade Stephon Diggs, right? So I think the yeah. whole scenario of like people talking about, well, you know, we need to replace Diggs. That's true. The Vikings were not looking to openly trade Stephon Diggs. It was yeah. when Stephon Diggs became apparent that he didn't want, did not want to stay. He wanted oh, out and the Vikings found the deal to move him. So yeah, um, absolutely. Finding a, finding a place like we know the philosophy overall is probably not going to change, but I think the role in the offense, I mean, you, you'd essentially upgrade it from Diggs with, with Odo Beckham Jr. So no, is the are we, are we happy with the philosophy of the offense? No. But at the same time, we knew that st- what Stefan Diggs's role was in the offense, and you're looking for somebody that can help replace that role. Uh, to me, I mean, that's why that's what I mean. Like, they need they they know they need that second receiver to help Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen even said uh, the other day with uh, Paul Allen that help's coming. I'm I'm not saying that meant he was dropping Nuggets that it was going to be Odell Beckham Jr. But he essentially said that Nuggets are he essentially said that help was coming for him to help open things up again for him and. This would be that best case scenario. Also, to be pet, also to be petty, I will be quote tweeting everyone who was in my mentions comparing OBJ, <laughs> OBJ and Adam Thielen, um, who are upset, who are now welcoming OBJ with open arms. I'm here for all of that. Please yeah, tag please me. Do that. I'm here for all of it. Petty. Yeah, we'll retweet your tweets. <laughs> well, Miles, you uh, you set me up for a perfect transition there because uh, we've talked about the offensive philosophy a bit. That's been you know, a running story really everywhere, especially with Stefan Diggs making noise during the season and again after the season. Uh, and then it popped up again because CMC got a bunch of money not long after Dalvin Cook said he considered himself to be, you know, the, the best running back in the league. Nick, you you have been, I won't say an apologist, but you have been one of those people who has really um, gone to great lengths to point out the great value that Dalvin Cook does bring when he's on the field for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, Tyler, you wrote a piece not long ago about, you know, what the CMC signing could mean for the team. And Ed, you are our capologist. You're the one who lets us know how all these things are supposed to come together. So, Nick, I will throw it to you first. Uh, what were your thoughts from a Vikings fan perspective when you saw CMC get paid all that money uh, with Dalvin Cook, you know, angling for a new deal? Well, it wasn't good news for the Vikings because obviously Dalvin Cook is going to want to beat that. I don't think he has the argument to beat it because of his injury history, first and foremost, hasn't, has yet to play a full season. Um, but no doubt he's he's seen in a lot of ways as the engine of the offense. They've built it around him. So I think his agent is going to have a lot of ammo. And then McCaffrey getting paid, what was it, $64 million over four years? That's uh, that's a pretty hefty deal. And so that, that obviously is is more ammo for Cook to say, hey, I deserve at least you know $12 million a year or something. So... Um, that would be unfortunate. I know I really like Dalvin Cook. I think he's one of the best um, runners in the NFL. He's electric after the catch. He really sets up a lot of value in the screen game. At the same time, I think in a lot of, way, in a lot of ways, running backs are fungible. I don't think you would see a huge drop-off if you swapped in Madison on a lot of the runs as well. He doesn't exactly have Cook's um, burst, and he's not as elusive, although he tends to run through tackles more than Dalvin Cook does. Um, and Mike Boone, I think, offers a lot of things in terms of the burst, the athleticism, the ability after the catch. So, you know, I like Dalvin Cook both, both as a person, as a player. I'm not, I wouldn't be on board with paying him, you know, $12 million a year. Um, I think he's worth probably 
something like eight million a year or something. He's a good player. He's a really good player when he's healthy. He's also struggled with drops. He's got pretty bad hands on pretty easy passes, swing passes, screens. He drops those as well. So, uh, you know, the McCaffrey news is, is not good news if you're hoping we can bring back Cook on a, on a sweet deal. But we'll see how it goes. All right. And Tyler, walk me through your piece because uh, we definitely had some people uh, commenting and people with some, some fairly strong opinions reacting to what you wrote there about you're making that connection between the CMC signing and, you know, obviously the, the Dalvin Cook negotiations. Guess what was the uh, the main kind of crux outline of your piece and what's your ultimate conclusion there? Well, the main uh, crux of the piece was the fact that uh, Christian McCaffrey got paid as the top running back in football, but I don't think any of us view him just strictly as a running back. He's a, a little bit more of a pass catcher. He reminds me a lot of what Marshall Falk was in the late 90s, early 2000s with the St. Louis Rams. He catches a, a lot of the backfield. He's the only running back ever to have 200 catch seasons, and they happen to be back-to-back. He's used more as a pass catcher than a rusher, and I think that's one of the reasons why they paid him, because he's elusive in space. They like to uh, get him out on those swing passes, let him make a couple people miss. And he's not taking 300 carries going straight up the gut. Uh, Delvin Cook is not used in that same capacity. We use him in, with some of those screens, but mainly he's doing zone runs, dive plays, and that kind of stuff. He's used as a traditional running back. And when, when you want to compare the two, it, you can't give Delvin Cook that kind of money because he's not used as a versatile weapon. Uh, I think Rick Spielman kind of uh, sold himself out when he said that he considered Dalvin one of the core pieces of this team, comparing him to guys like Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr. And when you do that, you kind of set yourself up, hey, we want to extend you, and you kind of let go of some of that leverage. Uh, however, that he has done a masterful job getting guys like Barr, Smith, uh, Daniil Hunter to sign for less because of the culture that this team has built. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Cook is going to be resigned for way too much money. I kind of compare it to the Le'Veon Bell deal, uh, which was four years, uh, $52.5 million, around $20, $25 million guaranteed. Uh, we're going to overpay him. And the ideal scenario for the Vikings would be to ship him out for like a second round pick and take Cam Akers out of Florida State, who's kind of like his clone, and then just continue the cycle. But Rick and uh, Zimmer seem all in on keeping him. And it's just a reality we have to live with. And hopefully it's cheap. All right. So, uh, Ed, talk to me about how we can make this happen, because we don't have very much money. No, we don't. And if you're talking about uh, wrapping in with Dell Beckham trade, uh, it gets even more complicated. Um, But just strictly talking about Delvin here, you're looking at um, if it's me, if I'm the GM, I'm paying him a maximum of eight million a year. I don't think he's going to take that at this point. But I think based on, like everyone said, injury history, how we actually use him. I think that would be about the max we do. <clears throat> and you look at it, we're a year early on the curve. That's what we tend to do with some of these signings. We go a little bit early so we can afford to overspend a little bit and spread that cap hit out a little bit. So maybe year two in that deal, there's only $5 million debt or something like that. So it's not such a big issue. But, I mean, you just look at all these contracts, like they mentioned, Bell, David Johnson, Gurley, even Zeke in a couple of years is going to seem like an absolute massive mistake for Dallas. Um these guys don't produce after they get these big contracts. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to get the bag when they can, but it's just, I, I don't, I don't see how you can be a GM and see these contracts for these traditional running backs, even the ones that are heavy pass catchers and think it's a good idea to shell out 12, 14, 16 million. I just, I can't see it. And 
like you pointed out, Madison does a lot of the same stuff Delvin does. Um, pretty similar efficacy. So in my eyes, I'm not touching Delvin's contract at all. I'm letting him play it out. If he wants to sign here for seven, eight million, fine, great. We'll 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 take that. But I don't know, man. It's I have a feeling he's gonna be walking out of free agency next year because he's gonna want way too much that we can't we can't match. Okay. Hey, can I ask you a question? Just just kind of a, a idea on what everybody's thoughts are. Um, is Dalvin Cook gonna hold out or not? Just yes or no, real quick. Hundred percent, he's holding out if he doesn't get a new deal. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You should. Yeah. If he has no new deal, he's holding out. I I, I think he'd hold out off season, but I think season comes around. I think he'd play. Yeah. I don't think he'd do that whole full season hold out. Yeah, CBA makes it really hard to hold out. So I'd be surprised if he did. What is that new think, la- real quick? What is that new language on the CBA? Is it for guys that have already gotten new contracts, or is it for? Because I thought guys under rookie contracts. Their, their scenario is a little different in terms of holdout um, situation than guys that already have new deals. Maybe I'm it wrong, might, though. It might be, and Ed, maybe you know. But um, what I remember seeing is that, like, the daily, you know, $4,000 fine or whatever the amount is, some crazy amount of money, um, is no longer waivable. Usually it would charge those fees, but it was, like, funny money. But now they lose that money permanently. And it can, if it goes on long enough, it can affect, you know, whether they get credit for that NFL year. So new CBA basically is very punitive against holdouts. So um, it would make it tough for Cook. And I also, I get the impression he's not the kind of guy that would want to cause all the drama. But, I mean, he's got to look out for himself, too. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I get that same impression. I mean, I, I don't think that he's that kind of player, but I definitely think he would try to put some leverage on him in the offseason, if at all possible. So. All right, so we made it through the uh, the current breaking news. So I guess the last thing uh, to go over is, uh, you know, this week many of us took a, a trip down memory lane. Uh, ESPN replayed Monday Night Football, Vikings, Packers, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, all of that wonderful stuff. Everyone started remembering how much fun that season was. And all I could think through all of it was, um, sorry, David, you're going to have to do a bit of editing, but uh, but fuck Brett Favre. <laughs> like, through it all, I don't know. And so I, I got a bit of blowback on that. But I know he came here. I know he gave us a fun season. But I just can't think of Brett Favre as anything but a Packer who came here to get back at a team that he felt jilted by. Yes. He basically... Used us for a season to get revenge on the Packers for kicking him to the curb for Aaron Rodgers. Then stole our money the next year because Lord knows he didn't want to play. And then kind of just wrote off, leaving the shambles that was this team. And he uh, didn't win a Super Bowl. They didn't by, win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and he didn't win anything for us. If anything, he got our hopes up and then we lost in like just as crushing a fashion as we're accustomed to as Vikings fans. So I guess I wanted to throw it out to like the greater group just to understand where others were at with this, because for me, it's fuck Brett Favre. He's a Packer. Yes. He was here for a hot second, but he's a Packer. He was always a Packer. He crushed our hopes and dreams for so many years. And then he came in and didn't win anything for us for one year. And so like, now he's like, Hey, we love him. Like help me understand. Cause I don't understand. But that season was magical, man. Like starting with that 49er game, like to Greg Lewis in the end zone, like the minute you saw that, you knew that season was going to be so fun. And yeah, he didn't get us a Super Bowl, but I don't know. I just, 
I think you have to separate what he did for us that season as a fan base and like what he did against us as a Packer player. See, I'm on the other turn of that because the way people treat Brett Favre as a Minnesota Viking, they sure love to talk about uh, Case Keenum like he was trashed and didn't do the same exact thing that Brett Favre did for the Minnesota Vikings. I understand the Vikings had played a better game against the Saints in the cha- championship game, but overall, like where they got to in, the, in terms of what they were supposed to do. Brett Favre was supposed to take the Vikings deep into the playoffs and, and likely to the Super Bowl. Case Keenum wasn't supposed to do that, but he still did. And people want to talk about Brett Favre like he's this longtime great Viking, which he's not. Um, but they want to talk about Case Keenum like he was some throwaway trash can. So that, that's my whole thing is like, if you're going to give Brett Favre love, you better be, be giving Case Keenum love too because he did the same thing and he, and he provided, helped provide the Minneapolis miracle, which is to me better than what Brett Favre did for, with Greg Lewis against the 49ers. So there's a little bit of that like overall, like I'm a, I hate the Packers. I, I, so Brett Favre will always be a Packer to me. Um, I see a lot of Vikings fans who hate the Packers as well. So it surprises me how much they love Brett Favre. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent in it all too. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm with Jason F, you know, fuck Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, so here's the other side of the fence. 2009 was the first year my dad and I were able to watch all the Vikings games together since I'd been a little kid. Damn we it, both- Ted. Don't get sentimental with me. <laughs> I get totally 100% sentimental. Had to move him up here. He was getting too old to live on his own and all that. So we, we put him into assisted living place right, right near the house. And he would come over every week. And, and the day Favre signed, I called my dad. We were both fired up. I went out and I posted the picture on Twitter several times. There's a picture the, the Rams or the, the Vikings came to St. Louis when the Rams were still here in 2009. And we went to the game and it was just, it was the funnest. It, 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 it for me, it, 2009 will always be the most enjoyable season uh, for the Vikings until they win the Super Bowl. Simply for the fact, I mean, I, I forgot what a great sense of humor my dad had and how sarcastic and dry he was watching watching Vikings games. And it was just a lot of, a lot of fun memories that year um, from like the Lewis game all the way, you know, through the playoffs and, and just, just beating the crap out of Dallas in the divisional round and all that stuff. So I, I'm always, I'm always going to look back on 2009 very finally 2017 as well. I, I, I agree with miles. You really shouldn't be able to um, praise Brett Favre and then turn right around and bash case Keenum. Cause you, you could argue Keenum did more with less natural talent than, than Favre did. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I love 2009. I love 2009 Favre. I love that entire season. And I, I loved watching Packer fans just, uh, watch their heads explode every week, especially those two weeks they played the Vikings. That, that was just great memories for me. Always will be. I guess I want to I think that was the best part because <clears throat> the season was fun. I had quite a bit of fun during the season and I definitely talked my shit throughout that entire season while the team was doing well. So as a Vikings fan, I was happy with what was going on with the team. Brett Favre coming as a Merc helped the team for that year. But outside of him helping us in that year, I ha- I don't care about him anymore. So that's the thing I don't understand is people who still like ride and die for Brett Favre when he was like a Viking for just like a hot second. But he was a Packer for way more than that and caused us so much pain while he was there. And when I add up the pain from him as a Packer, to like him passing through as a Viking, the Packer side is heavier for me. So like, yeah, the season was amazing, but like Brett Favre is still an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll counter with this, Jason. That year was fun and it was spectacular. But ever since Aaron Rodgers came into the league, 
Brett Favre hated him and then took him to the cleaners twice that year. So I'll just let bygones be bygones. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I also got to say this. How great was Jared Allen's hair? I don't think we appreciated that enough in the moment. Moment. <laughs> Joe Exotic's got you feeling uh... – Feeling nostalgic for Jared Allen? Joe Exotic. <laughs> hey, hey, can we? Jared uh, Exotic. Can we? Can we uh, start too with uh, "fuck Joe Exotic" too? Like that's, that's what I'm here for as well. So yeah, we can definitely do that. We can definitely do that. Uh, I think that's it. That's all the stuff we wanted to talk about today. Uh, I mean, we could, you know, we could, we could hit things below the belt and, and go with the pull quotes from Kirk's interview. But you know, there'll be plenty of time to do all those wonderful things as we roll through the rest of the week. So uh, yeah, that's it. That's all, gentlemen. Thanks for making time. Listeners, viewers, thanks for coming on. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.